Long History After Magellan Part 9 Old Suspicions in Lisbon Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Long Histories After Magellan. This is the first document we're looking at as part of our series called Forgotten Voyages. This voyage was the first Spanish expedition to attempt to reach the Spice Islands after Magellan's famous journey. It was initially headed by Commander García Jofre de Loaiza, although he died in the Pacific in an earlier episode. This account was written by Captain Andrés de Urdaneta, a friar and explorer who took part in the expedition. The journey began on the 24th of July 1525, but Urdaneta's account continues to include his decade on the Spice Islands, before his return to Europe in 1536. The original Spanish has been exclusively translated for long history. So, and as we get going, in the previous episode, after almost a decade in the Spice Islands, Urdaneta has finally begun the long voyage home. He first headed to Java, and then to Malacca in today's Malaysia. As we begin this episode, Urdaneta is still in Malacca. And that means that in this episode, therefore, he crosses half the world. Next he goes to Cochin, as it's called here, which is in southwestern India, before rounding the Cape of Good Hope and reaching St Helena Island in the South Atlantic. From here he quickly makes it to Lisbon, the capital of Portugal, but all suspicions between the Spanish and the Portuguese quickly emerge. So here we go with episode 9, Old Suspicions in Lisbon. We were in Malacca until the middle of November of the said year. We left the said town of Malacca for Cochin on the 15th of November in the junk of a Portuguese man called Álvaro Preto. We went to Ceylan, from where comes the cinnamon that comes to Portugal. We arrived at Cochin in the middle of December, where we came upon Fernando de la Torre, our captain, with certain companions. After we arrived, an order came from the governor, who was in due, that the said Fernando de la Torre and his companions should be given passage to Portugal. Further to this, the said captain, Fernando de la Torre, said to me that when he arrived in India, the governor had received and treated him well, as well as those of his company. Just when the permission came from the said governor, Cochin's captain asked the said Fernando de la Torre to prepare himself for the departure, and that he could only take four or five on the ship with him, with the others going on other ships. This did not concern us, because we were worried that if we went together, while we were at sea, they might have decided to get rid of all of us by poisoning us. And so the said pilot and I boarded a ship called the San Roque, and so they would give us a place to put the supplies that we had purchased, we paid 50 ducados, without being given their keys. In this way, since we had left Gelolo until there, we always spent and used what was ours, except for some bales of rice and a little fish, and some sarafis that they gave us in Cochin. A sarafi is a gold coin worth 300 maravedis. Another three companions boarded a different ship. Two of them died on the Cape of Good Hope. Four colleagues and Fernando de la Torre, five, stayed in Cochin to board together with the said Fernando de la Torre. These would board a ship that is called La Gallega, with a captain, who is a relative of the Count of Castañada. And as it may be that the said Fernando de la Torre passed away during the journey, or some other disaster befell him, it seems fortunate to us that the said Fernando de la Torre wrote a brief account for your majesty, sending it with me. In this way, the said Fernando de la Torre wrote his brief account for your majesty, handing the rest to me, so that I could write my own account for your majesty. And so he wrote a letter for your majesty, where he mentioned all the displays of loyalty and my great service to your majesty in those parts. We left the city of Cochin, where spices are loaded for Portugal, on the 12th day of January 1536, in five ships loaded with spices, and another two stayed behind, being loaded to leave in another eight days. In one of them the said Fernando de la Torre embarked. 
We went on our journey, and before we could arrive at San Lorenzo, our captain, Martin de Fretes, left the other ships, the cause being that our ship was very swift. Continuing on our journey, we rounded the Cape of Good Hope on the 20th of March, and from there the island of Santa Elena was the first land we reached, where we took on some water. The said island of Santa Elena lies at 16 degrees in the southern part. We stayed in the said island eight days, taking on many gourds to eat, which greatly refreshed the people. On this island there are also mountain pigs and mountain goats. On this island there is a Portuguese hermitage, but no other people. It is a very small island, not more than four leagues round. We left Santa Elena and continued on our journey to Portugal. We arrived at the city of Lisbon on the 26th of June of the said year. When we disembarked in the said city of Lisbon, the senior guard looked very closely at me, first at my person and then at the chest, where they found a letter carrier containing the account and letter that Fernando la Torre had sent for your majesty. The senior guard took them from me, from ships coming from India, despite my protests. They also took the accounts book of the ships in which we went to Maluco, with another large book of mine, and certain letters from Castilian men in our company who had remained in Portuguese India. We also brought some agreements with the islands of Maluco and Banda and other islands on white paper, closed up like messages so they would not be noticed. They also took those. From the said chest, they also took the route which we had taken from here to Maluco, and also the route that the caravel had taken from New Spain to Maluco, with other accounts and writings. The senior guard took all of it, without any notary's letters or anything, just the act itself. <sighs> Seeing that the said senior guard had taken all the above so insolently, I decided to go to the King of Portugal in Evora, where he currently resided, to make a complaint. When I arrived there, I went straight to the ambassador Sarmiento, telling him about my journey from Maluco, and that when I had landed in Lisbon, the senior guard had taken the said papers. I said that when I saw that he was not going to return them, I wanted to raise this with the king. Your Majesty's ambassador advised me not to talk or complain to the king about this, but rather I should, as soon as possible, take charge and go to your Majesty to give my account of what had happened, so that your excellency could do as deemed most suitable. And so I took the route to come to your Majesty, to give my account of this and all of the rest, leaving a girl that I brought from Maluco and many things in Lisbon. While I was heading to Évora, as the Portuguese king found out that we had disembarked in Lisbon, he sent for us. When they couldn't find me, they took the said pilot to the city of Évora, where the court was. When the said pilot arrived in Évora, he went straight to the lodgings of your majesty's ambassador, saying who he was and that he had been ordered there by the king. Upon seeing this, the ambassador advised him to make himself scarce. He gave him a horse so he could leave, and thus he made his way to this court. Despite the help the Portuguese gave to Urdaneta, when he arrived in Lisbon, all suspicions quickly emerged. When Urdaneta visits the Spanish ambassador in Évora, it seems he could read between the lines and knew what was best for arrivals from Maluco, telling them to leave Portugal as quickly as possible. With the unexplained death of the leader of the Spanish in the Spice Islands, which we should remember took place on a Portuguese ship, it is unsurprising that Urdaneta would choose to believe the Spanish ambassador rather than trust any possible intentions of the Portuguese king. Bearing in mind the history of previous disagreements with the Portuguese, it's not inconceivable that he could have imagined being arrested and put to death. We heard of the death of Fernando de la Torre in the meantime almost in passing, but it's just another in the long line of fatal endings for the leaders of this expedition, beginning with Loaiza himself. 
Loaiza's name tends to be attached to the events described here despite his relatively early death. So now we've actually got to the end of Urdaneta's account of this expedition. There is however still enough of the document left for one more episode, and in that episode we will hear Urdaneta's description of the spice islands he inhabited for almost a decade. So that's it, only one episode remaining in this series, so please subscribe to be informed of when it's released. If you've made it to the end of this episode, please give it a like. Thank you for listening to part 9 of After Magellan, Old Suspicions in Lisbon. Goodbye.